Well, good morning. Well, if you're following politics and you're watching what's going on in the world around, uh, it's chaos, it's crazy, and uh, as a believer, I'm not sweating it too much. And my hope is that, uh, as a follower of Jesus, that um, that while on the one hand you recognize the value, uh, as we've often spoken about here, the value of participating in the system that we've, uh, you know, that God has put us in. I'm thankful that we have a chance to vote for our elected officials and stuff, although, frankly, as we look at the process right now, it seems like there's an awful lot of, uh, awful lot of things going on that are causing some, uh, some doubt as to whether or not our votes are being manipulated and that kind of thing. So if you've been following that, that's probably nothing new. Uh, and this isn't really uh, intended to be a time to talk about politics, but really to think bigger than that. Uh, in Psalm 1611, we're reminded uh, that he has shown us the paths of life, and in his presence, in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. Um, there is peace to be had in the midst of the circumstances that we experience right now, and it's rooted in the idea that the promises of God are sure, that one day we will see him face to face, and in his presence, literally, as believers in heaven, with him, when all this is done, there will be peace beyond understanding. Uh, things that we experience today that have caused us to uh, be rattled and shaken will be no more. There won't be any thinking back on those things, except possibly to wonder why we were so rattled and shaken up by them before when we realize the context in which we're invited to live in as believers. Um, it's not like I don't care. It's not like I don't think that there isn't uh, consequence and implications of people who sit in the White House or in Congress or you know, the philosophies of the world and that kind of a thing. But I also understand that, uh, again, I, I'll keep using this word context. There's a context in which believers live. We don't have to be subject to the fears and concerns of so many in the world, but rather we have the capacity in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to have our eyes set on loftier things, to have our trust and hope built on Christ himself and not on uh, the shifting tides of, of political persuasions and all those kinds of things, but instead on the sure foundation. Uh, and so, you know, when we think about what is yet to come, and the Bible says a lot about what is yet to come. If we want to talk in the broad terms about the millennial kingdom, the, there's few things in scripture that are spoken of more than that. When Jesus comes to establish his kingdom, of course, Daniel 2, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of this rock cut without hands coming and striking at the uh, the very foundations and bringing to a total collapse the, the governments and rulers of this world and ultimately Christ establishing his kingdom where there will be righteousness, there will be right, there will be no wrong. Every, uh, every injustice that's done will be dealt with immediately. And everything that people look forward to in a perfect kind of a world, something that the world is trying to manufacture apart from God right now, when the real deal comes, it'll be great, it'll be beautiful, it'll be perfect. But until then, uh, we understand that while that day is coming, we are called to live in this time. We're called to keep our eyes lifted toward heaven with our feet firmly planted on the ground, recognizing that we have a purpose and a place in what's going on around us, which is another really important element for us as believers. Um, in, in heaven, all these things will be passed away, like we said. But while we're on earth now, is it possible to experience the peace of God now that we'll experience then? Well, the one factor that won't be around is all of the adversity that we see. That won't exist in heaven. But I would suggest that it's not the absence of adversity that allows us to experience the peace of God. The peace of God is something that we experience in the midst of adversity. 
Uh, if it weren't for the adversity, we wouldn't necessarily uh, clamor for the peace of God. And so the call is not to wait till circumstances are perfect and then to rest, but rather to recognize that in the midst of the storms and circumstances, we can experience his peace, even now. Um, it's sometimes called the peace of Christ, uh, which means his peace that we can experience. And this is something that believers, uh, uh, that as believers, I think we can come to experience and understand best, and maybe even only, as we consider the context in which we live. We are in this world, but we're not of it. We're citizens of heaven's country, but we're ambassadors here. And so while we will definitely face trials and adversity, difficulties and struggles, we do recognize that we don't face them alone, and we don't face them, we don't have to face them unequipped. Certainly God's presence is with us all the time. We never have to wonder about that. But as far as the resources he gives us in order to cultivate and develop trust, to grow in a daily, deeper walk with him where he begins to consume our way of seeing and thinking and just kind of stands between us and the adversity, the view of him is greater and larger than the view of the things that we face that are adverse. When we walk with him in such a way, when we seek to know him and know him well, that causes us to approach the things that trouble us a very different way. And that's why, uh, honestly, I find myself more and more thinking about this thought, and, and I, I find myself sharing it a lot in our, uh, in our services at church. Uh, it was a big part of our discussion last night in our midweek. Uh, it's something I, I know I've shared periodically here on, on, uh, you know, on our podcast. And that's the, the secret to or the goal of the, the invitation of the Christian life is to know him and to rest in him. And when that becomes our all-consuming passion, then everything else gets put in its proper perspective. And so let me just kind of leave that simple thought there at sort of the, the tail end of what we're talking about today. That we would take him up on that invitation. That we not consume ourselves or be rattled by the things that go on around us that change every day. And, and by the way, which we also understand fully that God has explained in great detail uh, how the world is going to ultimately be before Jesus comes. And so we shouldn't actually be surprised by what we see around us, uh, but actually by acknowledging it for what it is, a world that is definitely under the sway of the wicked one. All we have to do is look at the activities of all of those who are stealing, killing, and destroying, and we can see very clearly the connection that, that those who practice such things are representing their own father. But you and I are following a different father. You and I are sons and daughters of the king, and therefore we're invited to see things differently, think differently, and also recognize that this world is not our home. We do well to occupy ourselves with his purposes and those things that matter to him uh, and are right and good and righteous and such while we're here. But we also live with the understanding that those things will only go so far because we are moving toward a a determined end that God has established. And so it helps us again to put things in perspective and to understand what it is that we're ultimately called to be and what we're ultimately called to do. And so I hope that brings a little bit of a measure of peace because in dwelling in these thoughts and considering these things and ultimately anchoring all of our hopes to the one who gives these promises to us, getting to know him and know him well is the place where we experience his fullness of joy. It's the place where we experience perfect peace even as it says in Isaiah 26, 3, you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And 
that's where we're called to live. So Father, help us to live that way. Help us to consider the times in which we're living and understand them as best as we can. But to recognize, Lord, that we ought not be frightened, we ought not be troubled, even as Jesus himself said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And help us to remember these things and to camp out on these things and to find our rest and our peace, uh, to anchor our hope, our living hope, our completely assured, promised hope in the knowledge that you're faithful and that you never change. And so, Father, we know there's no guarantee that we won't face hardships and even some very frightening times in some ways, but help us not to be frightened or overwhelmed or overcome by these things, but rather to recognize that when we find our rest in you, we know that we're safe, we're secure, and we're in your will. So we thank you, Lord, we praise you, and we bless you, and you ask, we ask you to help us with this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as always, if you have any thoughts or comments, uh, you're always welcome to share those on our YouTube channel where you might be watching now. Uh, if you're uh, so inclined, you can go to my website at parsonspad.com and you can uh, comment there. You can also obviously watch the videos. You can subscribe to our audio podcast there. You can also email me from there as well if you'd like, as you can also do from our church's website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. And uh, we invite you to check that out as well. So God bless you today. And, uh, you know, obviously keep in prayer our country. Uh, of course, I'm speaking now to Americans and that, but wherever you are, we would, we would covet your prayers as well. And, uh, and by all means, if you're able, reach out and let me know where you are. I'd be glad to pray for you.